1: Recollections Radio, Monday morning tea time is now all about sharing memories with you old and new of life in Dunedin bringing you stories, interviews and music from times past and inviting you to share your memories with us. Presented by Jill Bowie and Kay Mercer, the team behind Dunedin Public Library's Scattered Seeds Archive thanks to generous funding by the New Zealand Libraries Partnership
0: Project. Recollections Radio, Monday mornings at 11 on 105.4 FM and 1575 AM
1: morning to you. I hope your Monday is going really well. It's Jill and I in the studio today. Hello there, Jill.
0: Hello. It's a bit nippy today. It has been
1: nippy, yeah. <laughs> I've got about 12 layers on. How about you?
0: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Although I think we escaped the worst of it. You know. Thank
1: goodness, yes. Yeah. So I hope all of our listeners are keeping warm, got the log burner alight. Yeah, mm. and it's a
0: beautiful sunny day, so, yeah,
1: but cold. You get the s- rough with the smooth, don't you? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to this week, Jill?
0: Well, I mean, I've sort of been... I feel like this week I've been not really here, so I've been oh. spending a bit of time in Alexandra, in Cromwell. And, oh, beautiful. Uh, yes, very nice. Yeah, nice yeah. to be. It's where my mother lives, so um, I've been kind of back home, and it prepared me for this weekend of cold weather, so it was really oh, true. nice. Yes, yes. You'd, you'd
1: be getting getting adjusted to it. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, this week we've been looking at our new project We've got a new project coming up We did talk about this earlier in the year, I think But this is our first opportunity to get to it We are now launching our dance halls project So do you want to tell us a wee bit about your idea for that,
0: Jill? Well, I've always kind of had this dream To get as many stories about the old dance hall days Because I feel like a lot of families in Dunedin Would have started because of those dances Because that's where everyone went. On a Saturday night. That's where you met your future husband. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or wife, of course. Yeah. Yes, true. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear, um, you know, those kind of stories of the Joe Brown dancers and. uh, About the town hall? Yes. They went for a number of years. It was about 30 years, I think. And and I think they used to um, sort of have a, a simulcast on the radio station that's right. as well. It was a big so, deal. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I know. And dance cards yeah, as well. Yeah, it's so cool. We actually found a dance card the other day and it's sort of, that's sort of what prompted us to do this, it was, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you can't wait. Yeah. So if you've got an empty dance card or a full dance card, we'd still love to hear from you or if you have memories of the bands that played or what you wore. Yeah. Um, how you got there. Exactly. And of course, whether you met your future spouse, we'd exactly. love to hear your story. Oh, and
0: photos.
1: Oh, the yes, team. please. Yeah. 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 Did they take photos at those things? They must have had a photographer, I imagine.
0: Yeah. Well I um, remember seeing there's some great sort of crowd shots from yeah. you know, from their ODT, I suppose. Yeah. 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 You know, just yeah. And and it was, you know, alcohol free yeah. and I think they were cordial yeah. and probably cups of tea. But
1: yeah. And some great dancers, Yeah. What dances did you dance? Yeah. yeah, tell us. Yeah. So if, you, if you're if you at home and you've got some memories, if you're um, in a residential home and your activity coordinator's listening, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe you could have a chat with your residents and uh, get in touch with us. Yeah. You can contact us on library at dcc.govt.nz or call 03474 and ask for Kay or Jill and we would... We'll, we, you know we'll bite your hand off we want to know we want to know what happened because we weren't there
0: exactly and we, we missed to, it all we want to find out what it was like we want exactly. to try and experience it yeah, exactly through everyone else's stories so,
1: yeah yeah so um oh just thinking back to your trip to alexandra you were going to talk about the alexandra clock yes. weren't you were going to tell me about that well yeah. i was
0: i still am I will, I? <laughs> yeah do that <laughs> so um so it had its 50th anniversary in um 2018 so it was um, built and opened by uh, Keith Blackmore, the mayor, in uh, in front of a large crowd mm. in December 1968. Good gosh! So um, the JCs built it, and they decided in 1967 that that's what they would do, and so they put a they erected a mock clock up, and they put it up for six weeks just to gauge reaction. and about 84% of um, the residents were in favour of this clock and so oh. they started the construction in 68. So it was a 42 day project. So oh, that's it's pretty not too impressive, bad. isn't it? It's yeah. quite good
1: because it's in a really awkward place for yes them it to, is, yeah. to build it yeah. <laughs> up the side of a hill. Yeah,
0: and uh, yeah, so it it cost three thousand dollars, including foundations, steel markers, electrical connection, painting, and sundries, whatever they are. Wow. And uh, yeah, and, and at the bottom of the the trail up there it says it takes five minutes and i don't know how fit the five (laughs) minutes are but that took me a lot longer Uh than that so So it's an
1: optimistic five minutes or the clock runs slow one of the two
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) true so yeah so um so the JC's um, folded, and so the Lions Club of Dunedin have been um, looking after the clock since oh, 2009. Good and on them. So, And it's gone from sort of uh, light bulbs, torch bulbs, to um, LED lighting now, which means they can change the colour for different oh. sort of times of the year. Very cool. And, uh, yeah, so um, – but it did stop – on just before the lockdown in twenty twenty. So someone must have hung off one of the hands oh, and so no. it's a feature that when when the mechanism gets damaged it'll shut down. So yeah. between H thirty and H thirty five, either A M or PM, I'm assuming probably PM. Yeah, it got st- it got stopped oh, and no. so it wasn't deemed an essential service, so it couldn't be repaired until after lockdown. Oh. And I just thought that would be the saddest thing. I'm so glad I wasn't yeah. there because to see that time stops, yes, which it almost did. Well, it did, yeah, Very metaphorical. Yeah. And then, and then the beauty of uh, they decided that once you know the council's sort of recycling and rubbish collections, mm. once they sort of got up and running again, that they changed the color of the clock. To tell you what recycling it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming that's it was... clever. Blue for glass and yeah, yellow for, like ours. for recycling. I mean, yeah. that is that is a brilliant Genius. use of the colours. Well, of we clock. could do that with
1: the town hall, couldn't we? <laughs> okay. we just light up the town hall in the right colour <laughs> and we'd all be fine.
0: Yeah, and I suppose... You know, because you can see the clock from wherever you are, pretty much in elix. So, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a genius idea. So, Great for yeah. people who
1: don't have apps or smartphones or digital. Exactly, they can just look at
0: the clock. Or you think, or you've got to go out and see what your neighbours, yeah, yeah, and hope they've got it right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, so I hadn't. I've never really considered the measurements of that. So, um, and it's eleven. Its diameter is eleven meters, and the minute hand is five point six meters. Gosh! And uh, yeah, so each hand weighs about two hundred and seventy kgs. is Is that wow. amazing? <laughs> yeah, and it's two hundred meters above sea level. So, and you don't have to wind it, presumably. No, no. Um, it's just someone. Someone looks after it. There's an electrician, yeah. I think, who goes yeah. and makes sure it's all running perfectly. So, Very cool. Yeah.
1: So he has to run up the hill to, to fix it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Not an easy job,
1: so no, well not. done. No. Well done, Mr. Clockman, who looks after the Alexandra clock. Yeah. And um. thank you to those original people who thought to put it in. Yeah. I want, I was thinking when you were saying that, I wonder what the test clock looked like. Was it like just like a big grandfather clock? Or well,
0: I wonder if it was kind of the same yeah because i mean it's quite a simple you know just yeah. kind of squares so yeah. i wonder if they did that for and each sort of some blocks yeah. up there to see whether people liked it or not yeah right? yeah interesting <laughs> dragging them all up yeah yeah interesting i mean it's a it's a really simple clock but man it's mm. you know it's such a brilliant idea it really is yeah. and it's
1: a lovely feature of alexandra yeah. really great
0: Kind of my favourite, although it doesn't mean it does mean you can't be late. As I was late to no lunch, got no excuses because <laughs> yes. you can
1: literally see it from everywhere. My yeah. mother was
0: very annoyed with me as I kind of wandered up and I was late back for lunch. Oh and dear. I went, oh, I lost, yeah. lost track of time. There's irony. You lost track of time because you were
1: on the track two times. I time. was. <laughs> I'm just going to make a quick mention um, of Anne Frank because she got her diary. 80 years ago, wow,
3: on the 12th of June, years. 80 years
1: ago yesterday, but of course in Europe it is mm. the 12th of June. Um, 12th of June 1942, when she was 13 years old, she began keeping her now famous diary. She'd spend little more than two years confiding in its pages, sharing stories from daily life, observations and hopes for the future from the cramped annex in Amsterdam she occupied with her family and several other Jews in hiding. The last entry in her diary is dated August the 1st, 1944, after which she was arrested Arrested and deported. Yeah, and she actually said in her diary, I hope you will be able to confide, hope I will be able to confide everything to you, as I've never been able to confide in anyone, and I hope you will be a great source of comfort and support.
0: And to think, you know, how. How important that book is for yeah. all of us. Yep. Yeah. I have my grandparents' copy of it actually. Yeah. Oh, gorgeous. I still have. Yeah. And then, because my grandfather was a great keeper of newspaper articles, mm. so he would cut everything out. I think when her father died, the articles in the back of that book. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice.
1: yeah. It's amazing. And it's incredible that people still read it today. Mm. Kids read it today, adults read it today. And luckily, her father, Otto Frank, survived the concentration mm. camp he was the only one of the family to survive and he i think he went back to um the home where they had stayed those two years and found the diary and how amazing that must have been for him to have that yeah. that remembrance of his daughter having lost all his family and he decided to publish the diary in
0: 1947 yeah mm. so incredible it is isn't it yeah just yeah such a such a young person, that, yeah. you know, whose thoughts and, you know, dreams have kind of yeah. you know, inspired lots of so many people. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: hopefully somehow she knows that mm. and that it all wasn't wasted somehow. Yeah. yeah, her life was full of meaning.
4: Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, let's, let's cheer ourselves <laughs> up again, having lowered the mood. Um, <laughs> let's have a song, shall we? This one yeah. is called When I Grow Too Old to Dream by Slim Whitman. Thank you. Isn't that sweet? And yeah. well, that one would have been played at the Joe Brown Dancers. That was um, I, I saw an ad in um, on the on the page for Joe Brown Dancers as a website you can go on, um, and that was a song that Jimmy McFarlane sang through the hog the new hog sound system oh. at the Town Hall um, in the early yeah. <laughs> thirties. maybe hog that's prompted system. some memories. Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, a couple of weeks ago, I had the absolute pleasure of meeting with. Aaron and Brian, Aaron Richardson and uh, Brian Bias from the Globe Theatre. They are members of the Globe Theatre Trust and I went along to find out what the Globe Theatre Trust is all about yes. and to learn a little bit about the Globe Theatre itself, some of the history. So uh, have the interview coming up just shortly and I will just mention before I start the interview, they, the Globe Theatre are auditioning currently for Boeing Boeing and for three one-act play so if you're keen to tread the boards do get in touch with them anyway this is Aaron and Brian chatting about the Globe Theatre Trust and I find myself today in the Globe Theatre London Street Dunedin (laughs) a very noisy Globe Theatre because it's pouring with rain outside but I'm very happy to report that there are no leaks whatsoever in the newly redeveloped roof so this is good news with
5: uh, Brian Bice. Hello, how are you? Very well, good thank good you good good.
1: and Aaron Richardson. Yes, Yeah.
5: Is Chair of
1: the Friends of the Globe Theatre. That's correct. And uh, so you're members of the Globe Theatre. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about the Friends and how they relate to the theatre
4: itself?
5: Well, I can do that if you like. The okay. Friends was a group that... Well, I guess I should go back to the beginning. Patrick and Rosalie Carey owned the house. Patrick was, I think, Artistic Director of the repertory of what when he first came here Mm -hmm. something happened decided that he wanted to have his own theatre so they originally had it in their house and they left the place in about 71 Mm -hmm. and the friends as it were were the I guess the friends of the place the society it was formed to take over running the place, so it's basically right. why it's the Friends of the Globe and then the Globe Theatre. So, it's but you
1: actually run. Yeah, we run the it theatre and we and them. we
5: own it. I think they they took ownership of it from the Curies as well. So
1: it's quite different from a concept of Friends of, say, the Library mm. or the, the yeah. Museum, where mm. they are mm. sort of almost on the side. That's right. You very much run the right. theatre itself. Exactly. Well. Yeah. So yeah. you and you are the company.
4: Mm. We're pretty so much so. the company yeah. that runs yeah. the yeah. show. Yeah. That's
1: great. Yeah. So how long have you been members? We'll start with
4: you, Aaron? I'm quite a newbie compared to um, my, my friend here. So I've actually only really been with the, the theatre for um, two years, but I have been involved with theatre most of my life. But yeah, within those two years, I've done quite a, a bit around the place, actually. Had a bit are of Dunedin, but are you from Dunedin? Yep, I'm from yeah. Dunedin, yep. So I got the chance last year to do my first show, stage show, on here at the Globe. And um, from there, I just, uh, I love the place and... When I got the chance to become chair, I, I leapt at the chance because I knew I could I could uh, run a nice steady ship, basically.
1: Yeah. So you're an actor as
4: well? I've done acting, I've um, done directing, uh, I've done tech, costume, I've done everything.
1: So you've earned your stripes? Yes I have, yes. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, and what about you
5: Brian? Well I've been here since 2012 when we moved to Dunedin oh, from oh. Christchurch, I spent I guess you could say i was about seven or eight years working professionally as a lighting technician in Christchurch in the mm, late 80s early 90s (laughs) and uh well i worked for an outdoor Shakespeare company i did a bit of work at the Christchurch town hall and then and then family came along so i got a real job (laughs) and and when the quakes came and devastated the city my real job the career i was in i had a chance to do the same job down here through some contacts so we decided to move with the children down here and i hadn't done any theater at like in that time while the kids were growing up yeah. and when we moved here my wife and i thought well we met in the theater in christchurch doing amateur theater where's the best place to get to know people the theater absolutely and, yeah. and when i walked into this place it was very similar to one of the ones i would worked in right. in christchurch and the, the, with the feel of it similar set up so yeah. i just ended up the one show and ended up staying. Ten years later, and I'm still and here doing the tech. So so. And <laughs> now it's a family affair, isn't it? It is indeed. I've got my wife and one of my daughters also does a stuff Fantastic here. Wife's the front yeah. house manager. One of the my daughters is directing children's plays. So
1: yeah, it's great when yeah. you can have a family hobby yeah. yeah. that you can all enjoy and yeah. share. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you obviously take an active part in productions.
4: Yes, yeah, whatever. Yeah.
1: So um, have you sort of learned that on the job? Or?
4: So I have done some theatre papers at the university, but. My main background is actually being film, so I've got a film degree. Um, So I take a lot of my um, skills from leadership and the production side of things from that and sort of developed it into stage. Um, But yeah, a lot of it is a learn on the job, like in a community theatre, no one's saying we're experts. Um, So a lot of the stuff we have to do on the fly or, you know, learn it on the job. So. Brian does that every day when he's here. <laughs> yeah. I do that every day when we're here. I mean, we've just purchased a projector and we we spent 3 and a bit of hours actually putting it together because we didn't realize we had the cord the wrong way. Oh. <laughs> That's learning things on the on the job, That's you know. Right.
1: Cuz you show films here
4: now. Uh yep. Yeah, yeah. So um so we started um that uh, ooh a few weeks ago. Weeks we, back, yeah. yeah, we did our New Zealand film um screening. I guess you can call it or yeah. a festival. Yeah. Um and it, like, I mean, it wasn't huge praise, but I guess the COVID's still mm. happening and it stuff. Is. But yeah. it is something that we will be looking at doing in the future again yes. because it was quite quite enjoyable. Yeah, mm. it's really yeah.
1: nice to have a sort of smaller venue for films. Yeah. So yes. really sort of boutique films mm. that people yeah. can enjoy. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah there's, no, there's no cinemas around like that anymore. There no. was some around once, but they've all disappeared. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. 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 So
1: that's great. Good yeah. on you. Yeah. And is, is that...
4: Is that as a fundraiser or just because you love film? Um, it was a bit of both, so it was to fill in a gap. So we were supposed to do some show the start of this year, but unfortunately because of Covid it uh, got the can. And then um, Brian actually came to me and said let's let's try and um, show something. Mm. Brought to the committee and the committee was like yep. So then we went and tried to purchase the rights and stuff. Um, I. Managed to get some connections through the Film Commission and they were willing to give us the screening rights for quite a good price So it seemed like a, a No-brainer, basically
1: yeah. So do you think you'll
4: do sort of festivals or is it more sort
1: of um, Whatever suits the time
4: so each year it'll probably be an annual New Zealand film mm, good. But in between that we can be doing all sorts of things so What people don't really realise probably is that we do hire this venue as well. Um, So now that we have the option of having projection Mm. and stuff, it means there's more options for people to Mm. hire this for business events, uh, gaming events, all sorts of things. We had not been
5: doing hiring for a while because what we were getting was a lot of people turning up kind of... Fringe was, was notorious for it. They turned up and they wanted to have moving lights and plug-in stuff on in the wall. It was yeah. things that just couldn't be done in a traditional mm-hmm. old theatre. You know, we've got 40-year-old lights, 40-year-plus lights here, and it was kind of like, if you're not going to just hire the place as a standard theatre venue, then perhaps we put you aside sort of thing, mm-hmm. but we're trying to develop that a bit more where we can now provide that stuff mm-hmm. because it was just becoming a problem where as a community group we do not have paid staff yeah and you'd walk in the place and suddenly can i have this can i have this can yeah. i have this can just became and it's, it's a, you know. not just the the tech itself it's exactly. the technical support
1: exactly. Exactly. It? exactly
5: exactly exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 so we we're, we're trying to upgrade a little bit so we can make some money out of that but that was why we stopped the hiring because just i think and it's quite nice a lot of people from out of town i think mm-hmm. thought we were a professional venue or a higher venue which is, nice, which, which, yeah. which is nice which is nice but we couldn't we were in a situation where we had people who would just go yes 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 that's fine because mm-hmm. they wanted to hire yeah. and didn't understand that the support around it wasn't, wasn't there. Not there to yeah, be able exactly. to do things and we were having to backtrack and 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 yeah it doesn't look good doesn't look good so no. we, we kind of thought, let's just stop it until we can provide things that, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly Very yeah
1: so can you tell us a bit more about the history of the blow? So how, <laughs> how did it come to be? Because it's in the back garden. You yeah, said yeah. they started in their house?
5: They, well, the house itself, our backstage area here is the lounge of the house. This <gasps> is, I'm going on what the, the people that were here before me told me. That was originally where they did their shows. Yeah. And at some point in about 61, they, Patrick came up with the idea of Let's Build a Theatre. So they built on mm. the part we're sitting in now to just that, that red panel there, I think, was the original theater and the seats were on a very (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. it was a it was built by the members of the globe they put it together you know it was a builder or something on holiday from the uk helped them do the roof and and while we're talking about the roof which will come up that was the big fundraising effort when i arrived here in Mm. 2013 about 15 16 they did the roof because they'd done the roof yeah and Back in the 60s, they just tarred it, you know, it will yeah, be right. Yeah. And of course, it wasn't done properly, so it rotted and it started oh. to, right where you see the stage, the, sort of there, yeah. was leaking through. When I started here, you couldn't go back past that screen because they had buckets. They had a tube system oh. that took water into the buckets, <laughs> and the buckets had to be empty because it was leaking through. Yeah. And it was it was because it was built as it was back then. And yeah. so the fundraising effort, was I think, was prim- primarily. Rosemary Beresford, who was a chairman at the time, she drove that. We had grants and yeah. various things. Got their first stage of what was to get the roof done. And when the roof got done, that triggered a whole lot of other things like new toilets yeah. were needed the dressing room got done up and it earthquake to be a money strengthening. Pick, it? Yeah, yeah, earthquake strengthening. So we had that done and that's yeah. why so that was the basis of the of the building of the yes, and then I yeah. think in the seventies they built on further as you can see. Right. So the whole thing was home homemade if you like. Yeah, <laughs> so whether you'd ever build it legally nowadays I don't know but <laughs> So it
1: grew from the original family mm, yep. just having a love of theatre. I think so.
5: Yeah.
2: Having I think friends so. around. And they had
5: friends around. People like um, James K. Baxter hung out here with wow. them and uh, ralph hotery i believe painted sets for them yes. so in that time in the 60s and 70s it was also i believe sam Neil acted here you know yeah. people that were you yeah. know in that time before professional theater in new zealand yeah. a lot of history people were hanging out here helping That's out and stuff and, and and so it would have been a cool time i suppose yeah. but Absolutely. and so it was lucky that the group called the friends decided to keep it going yeah. after the family moved on because that history would have been gone. It's, you know?
1: it's so long lived, mm. and all from just mm. an idea mm. a, in someone's
5: lounge. Mm. Exactly. Yep. The, the back part, exactly. Right? And I
4: think that the, the great thing about that also is that some of the stuff that these people have touched or designed or made or wore, still here. Yeah. Mm. Have you still got any Ralph rough, rough
1: today?
4: We may. <laughs> <laughs> we Was
5: don't this, know. There's a story. <laughs> that, there's a story <laughs> attached to that.
4: Oh. Um, on,
5: and this is again from another a, a previous <laughs> member that's told me. Right. Someone's moved on there were some hotaries here Mm. around the time that Ralph passed away Mm. and and the story goes that some former members and some current members turned up and happened to abscond with them and this person claims to know what houses they are in around Dunedin but wouldn't tell me so apparently they are hanging on walls in Dunedin that were yeah so I I, I, that's all I know but there was some here but there is some there are some paintings here that might the, be his might yeah. not be but they also had a, a gentleman called um Frank Grayson who lived here uh, uh, through the 70s into the 80s as a caretaker after they'd oh, left okay. yeah. and he did painting as well so a lot of Frank's paintings are here as well right yeah, yeah. um so but you can tell his his sign, but there's some unsigned ones, one's that people at, go yeah, yeah. Mm, could that yeah. be Ralph or not yeah. you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So exactly so it's a real creative
1: mm. part it, it
5: was oh yes mm. yeah.
4: definitely
1: Mm. One of those yeah, mm. bohemian type places where people would
5: just hang out. And yeah, apparently they people would just hang out for months and then go, yeah. and someone else would turn up and go. And, so it must have been a cool time there. Yeah, yeah, very cool.
1: Yeah. So were any plays written here, or was it. Um, I
5: believe there some was of a the few Baxter of, ones yep. were written here oh, and, uh, yeah. and first performed here as well. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, so I'm not sure if Patrick Carey wrote plays, but I know that some of the original Baxter ones were done here. He wrote them here. and.
1: Amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah so. so it's got some real good bones. This mm. place, mm. has not it? Mm. Yeah. Because mm. amateur theatre has been a really strong and vital part of Dunedin's culture mm. since the eighteen hundreds. Mm. And I mean, yes, it was. Mm. They had nothing, but they created their own mm. entertainment. They started from scratch, mm. and they were blooming good, actually. What do you think is the appeal of theatre to Dunedin community? Is for both you as mm. participants and the audience. Mm.
5: For me, I just, <laughs> I just sort of. I don't know, I just always grew into the technical So I loved theatre as a kid and I liked listening to radio as a kid, listening to dramas and yeah. stuff. And I just gravitated towards it and I mean, growing up in the, in the 80s and 90s, pre-internet, it was kind of like we just talked about, it. we just hung out, like the theatres in Christchurch, we just hung out, even when we weren't doing a show, mm-hmm. we just hung out and we would help out and we'd do things and it was a, it was a, a social thing, yeah, yeah. people came together and yeah. did things. I think it's changed a little bit now in the in the era of the internet but that was the attraction for me. But you know, as you say, Dunedin for the city of its size, if we're honest, a professional company struggles to, to, to be viable and community theatre New Zealand's unique with its community theatre in that every community has a theatre and it's yes. strong. You know, yes. and and most of the people that come through the fortune come through the court a lot of them in the early days were from community theater just, yeah. exactly. and people forget that you know I mean, i'm from a time pre-drama school i learned all my technical from guys who'd done community theater for years we didn't have drama schools so that was how you learned it you mm. know and that's kind of i think this is just my personal opinion but i think the the focus and the need now on we must get a professional theater company back is probably the wrong way to go you've got community theaters the globe there's a the rep there's others around yeah. let's make them strong let's support them because that's where it's happening that's where we're able to do things we're not relying on having to make a huge profit to pay staff no. to do things and that's why we're viable and the quality on stage you know we've had people on stage here that have been professionals that are professional the quality's there and some of it's better than the professional theater that i've worked in so exactly um i think Community theatre is a good thing to... We're professionally
4: speak, yeah? amateur, mm. is well, the well, way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, the only <laughs>
1: difference is... is the money. Recently said, yeah. Yeah, you, you're, you, you're doing it and working, mm. so mm. you're doing it in your mm. spare time yeah. mm. and creating theatre in your mm. spare time. You're not doing it as a that's job right. and getting paid. Yeah,
4: yeah. That's so. right. Yeah. As for me, um, the theatre is an escape, basically. It's somewhere where you can you know, escape and be someone different if you want to, obviously. <laughs> Um, but also, it is—it's a social thing. Like you meet wonderful people. Like you know, um, before this, I didn't really have much of an outlet. I was just a family man, you know. But now I—I I come here and I meet people like Brian and all my committee and all these other volunteers that we have involved in the theatre. And it's just—it's it's a lovely environment.
5: It's inclusive too. Like you yeah, know, especially, exactly. especially in the '80s and '90s, growing up in the time when you know there was there was different stigmas about certain cultures or certain sexual orientations when you're in a theater you were in there with all these people and and and, and you were all just you were just there and you're all one and you kind of just grew up accepting everyone was different and that's the way they are and 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 and, and that's something that I've instilled in people the theatre's always been like that yeah they don't care they don't care what your color are they don't care your ethnicity whatever your, your sexual orientation it, we're just here having a good time together, that's and right. it's always been like that, yeah.
1: you know. And well, that's what theatre teaches, exactly. isn't exactly. it? Exactly. In fact, it's kind of essential mm. to be mm. have something different. Exactly, exactly. Exactly.
5: exactly, And exactly. I think it's yeah. really yeah. a really good aspect from there, where mm. it's just inclusive, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Beautiful, and it yeah. often theatre groups become like families. don't Yeah, they do. they
5: do. Definitely, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I probably talk to Brian more than I do my my wife, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no. But uh, as for a point of view from an audience, like um, yeah. something big that I've tried as chair is to change our image and say that we're we're here. Don't, don't forget about us and and we're entertaining and we're putting on you know a variety of different types of entertainment now like as, as you pointed out mm. films mm. and different genres of plays mm-hmm. and we're being inclusive in the sense that we're bringing in all these new young directors mm. and all sorts of people and to do shows I think that's it's definitely a a, a culture um, smorgasbord mm. for the audience I would say yeah is the way to look at it
1: so do you do you see theatre changing, or do you, do you think the traditional sort of the comedies and the fancies and the, you know, the kitchen table uh, on, are they still popular?
4: I think they are. Yeah. They they are. There is a way <laughs> of yeah. um, putting those shows on, and but still modernising them. Of
5: course, people like Roger <laughs> Hall made a career out of writing those sort of plays. Yeah. And, and well, that's it. That's yeah. what I I guess you look at theatre industry where there's shows for the theater people mm. and then there's shows for joe jo public Yeah. and you've got to understand that and, and it was you know the fortune and the court that's what they would do is they would always do the shows for joe public because mm. they need to make a bit of money well, and that's, that's, and right. that's understandable yeah. but we're in a position where we can do two or three of those and then throw in one that's more sort of Theatrically
1: inclined, and that's really good. And also, it challenges your audiences to to step outside their comfort zone, which Mm. is a
5: great
4: thing. Mm. And and, and what it's been doing is inviting a whole new audience. Mm. So, we still see the old, you know, the old. people who keep coming yeah. but then we're seeing all these new people who are going oh I didn't even know this place was here. Exactly. Well, and that's been
5: particularly so since the yeah. fortune's demise too there's been yep. a lot of people have turned up here and said oh well, you're doing plays, it's great mm, didn't yeah. know you were here, it's, that's good for us yeah. Exactly. But, you know, yeah. do,
1: do you find that people know about, you know do, do Dunedin folk all know the Globe Theatre?
5: No. No right. but what I find is more people from the outside of Dunedin oh, know about the Globe here than <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. right. I was involved um, with the New Zealand Theatre Federation for a for Few years on their national executive, and everybody around the country knew where the globe was and who yeah. to, here from its history, whereas yeah. not so many people in the town, no. which is kind of
4: strange. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that yeah. I, I I I has put as one of my my goals yeah. is and to put us on the map. It
1: looks like a house. Yeah, it looks like a house. Yeah.
4: Yep. Awesome. Um, yeah. People don't realise that theatre is still going mm. around in Dunedin. Mm-hmm. Like um, sometimes you know we get pushed aside because of, you know, current events happening with theatres around Dunedin at the moment.
5: It's often driven by the comments in the media yep. like, which was when the Fortune First my first you know went down. Oh, there's no theatre in Dunedin. Well, no, that's strictly not true. You yeah. still hear people saying there's no theatre in Dunedin, really? The Globe, the rep, the, the Tyree players, you know, there's still stuff here, but people have that thing of if it's not professional, it's not theatre, and that's not true. You know, As I say, there's a, people working here that have worked professionally, mm. yeah. that are as good as professionals. You know, it's, it's, yeah. We mm. just have to get that mindset out there that community theatre is the theatre in New Zealand. Yeah. That's you've where got, it's you've
1: at. You've got nearly 150 mm. years' worth exactly. of history to think exactly. Exactly. otherwise. Haven't
4: exactly.
5: exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So you've had hundreds of productions probably performed at the Globe mm. over the last 60 years.
5: Four hundred and fifty I counted this morning. I counted this morning on the records. It was four hundred and fifty that I know of in the records. Good
1: that's, <laughs> Since nineteen
5: sixty
4: one. So how many do you do here about three? So at the moment, yeah, it's between three and four. We're probably looking at next year probably sort of the five or six, but that's not just yes. ball lengths. Mm. That'll right. be some of your one acts nice. and um, other events as well. Yeah. Fantastic. So
1: there'll be something going on pretty much yeah. all
5: year yep. now. Up until COVID, we were doing four main bills a year yeah. and, you know, a couple of one act plays, or whatever, in a children's show in July. Yeah. And then, of course, COVID's thrown it out where um, we've done two or one or yeah. three. Or <laughs> once we get think back to normal, as Aaron says, it'll be four and probably the children's play in July and then one act plays and stuff as we get yep. in the films, hopefully. So, yeah, it's yeah.
4: a lot of
1: work. How big's the company? <laughs>
4: So our committee is only 10, mm-hmm. um, but then we've got a, a, a huge membership mm-hmm. now. So I th- the last time I counted, I think we were like, oh, no, I can't remember now. It was, it was a three-figure number yeah. anyway. And,
5: and, of, and all, I mean, you know, of the <laughs> members, you've probably got the 10 committee plus. There's probably another five or six that are regular would turn up and help yep. with mm-hmm. stuff and do things and, yeah. and work, do the work. And then you've got the actors that just come and go, and that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's that's 15, realistic. 16 of us to keep the place yeah. going, but that's... You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Plus, you, you
1: were saying New Zealand's mm-hmm. u- unique, and I think mm-hmm. it really is, because I've come mm-hmm. from the yeah, UK, right. and, I, and I've been in mm-hmm. theatre for a long time, but mm-hmm. the companies are quite small and yep. a real dearth of men, so mm-hmm. I'm really... I was shocked mm-hmm. when I came to Dunedin mm-hmm. to realise how many men are interested in theatre, yes. which is just wonderful. And
5: it's different yeah. in the UK too, with the repertory is not strictly what we would call repertory here it's slightly mm-hmm. a level above almost between amateur so and professional isn't yeah, yeah yeah exactly so right. it's kind of a yeah and then you do have your community but that's further yeah. down isn't that's it right. yeah, It's kind mm-hmm. of yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and in america they have community theatres and i think it's almost like the repertory in the britain again where it's kind of paid right. sort of okay. Yeah, they yeah. probably
1: just got more money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the amateur the, um, theatres mm. in the UK—just mm. well, just, just, just mm. an aside—because yep. the companies are so small, mm. you tend not to have the quality you've got. Right. Here. Mm. Yeah, exactly. because they're all yep. you know,
4: yeah, yeah,
1: and they, they kind of let anybody have a part, which mm. is mm. nice in one way because you know you're always going to get a part if you want to act. You can mm. do that. Um, it's tougher here mm. to get a part. Mm. 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 Yes, and that speaks to the quality of it. Yeah. Yep. 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 It
5: does yeah. Yep. Mm. There are still groups around. That do that sort of theatre, you know. Mm. I know in Christchurch, it was the two richest groups in Christchurch were the ones that did that because they did cabarets at the end of the year that anybody could get up and sing if they fun. wanted to. But <laughs> it was, you know, people coming along and having a yeah. drink and watching, and that worked. But, yeah. but you know, but
1: when you've got a paying
5: yeah, audience, exactly. you need to have yeah, exactly. quality. Don't exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great.
1: Oh, many thanks to Aaron and Brian there for talking to us, and there will be part two of that interview mm-hmm. next week. And yeah. I'm so glad it stopped raining.
0: <laughs> that was quite an impressive amount of rain. Yeah, it and was. It, it was almost out. like
1: nature showed up just to prove that the roof was firm. Water now, <laughs> <laughs> and it was. It was lovely, nice and watertight. Yeah, that's very reassuring, isn't yes, it? <laughs> they've done a fabulous job, and all volunteer work and, and getting funding, and you know, amazing job that that's, that trust has done.
0: It's so nice to have you, people with a p- real passion for theatre as well.
1: Indeed, yeah. Doing it for the love. Absolutely. And if you don't know where the Globe Theatre is, it's in London Street. Please go along and support them. They do amazing work and great shows. I've seen some really wonderful things
4: there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's have some music, shall we? Um, This one is The Lullaby of Broadway, appropriately enough, by Dick Powell.
3: (laughs) Come on along and listen to the lullaby of Broadway, the hip hooray and ballyhoo, the lullaby of Broadway, the rumble of a subway train, the rattle of the taxis, the daffodils who entertain, at Angelos and Maxis, when the Broadway baby says goodnight, it's early in the morning, Manhattan babies don't sleep tight until the dawn. Good night, baby Good night, milkman's on his way Sleep tight, baby Sleep tight Let's all live today Oh, come on along and listen to The lullaby of Broadway The Heidi high and boop doo The lullaby of Broadway the band begins to go to town And everyone goes crazy You rock by your baby round Till everything gets hazy hush a I'll buy you this and that You hear a daddy say And the baby goes home to her flat To sleep all day Good night, baby Sleep tight Milkman's on his way Oh
1: lovely tone of voice dick powell has that's amazing isn't that very nice
0: hmm. yeah. lovely
1: yeah i was uh, having a trawl through the papers and came across this article from the bbc by beth and bell it was published uh december last year actually about odd jobs in London, I thought that could be an interesting topic for us to have a chat about you might have heard some of these Um, Since the first census of the UK there's been some attempt to catalogue occupations. In 1801 there was a broad classification into the fields of work such as manufacturing, agriculture or neither, which was quite broad (laughs) 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 And then later in the 19th century, censuses simply asked for rank, professional or occupation without any distinction between personal occupation or industry of employment and as you'll know, if we're doing genealogy, it's really nice to know what it they is. did for a job it was not until 1851 that a comprehensive system of 17 orders broken down into 19 sub orders of occupations was devised the most common london jobs that year were in manufacturing and domestic service surprisingly enough mm. um, i thought we'd have a look at some of the uncommon jobs yeah. or some of the obsolete uh, rather unusual jobs such as we'll start with this one these are the capital's oldest oddest jobs <laughs> a tosha, Be careful how you say that. Do Do you know what a Tosha does? He is a person who scavenged in the sewers for valuables. (gasps) Tosh, when you say, what a load of old Tosh, that's a word for copper. Journalist come socialist Henry Mayhew's four volume London Labour and the London Poor observed and interviewed a number of men who worked in that subterranean city of (laughs) Sewerage. They wore long, greasy, velveteen coats furnished with pockets of vast capacity, and their nether limbs were encased in dirty canvas trousers. (laughs) awful, and they earned a quite reasonable amount of money. They would make in the region £2 pounds a week, which is the equivalent of about £170 today, which is I don't know, 340 Well, I mean, it dollars. would
0: be, you know Yeah, I mean, it's you'd want to get paid well, wouldn't it's you? Not bad.
1: <laughs> um, but you had to velveteen take, jackets. Velveteen so. jackets, and you had to take on mm. the rats as well of course. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so not not my favourite job. No. Probably better than this one though, Knob Thatcher. <laughs> Do you know what I'm not? No, I do not. <laughs> Do you dare we ask? <laughs> yes, um, it's it's actually someone who makes perukes. Oh. Do you know what a peruke is? No, I don't even know
0: what a peruke is. <laughs>
1: a peruke is a men's wig. Ah, it's made of long hair, often with curls on the sides, and was sometimes drawn back on the nape of the neck, a bit like pole dark, I suppose, that kind of thing. Um, the perukier used goat, yak, horse, or human hair and wove and knotted individual strands around threads, which were then attached in rows to a base of knitting. And wow. then they had to curl and powder them and permade them. So they basically had horrible hair and they'd just stick a wig on. So if you had a bad hair day, it doesn't matter.
0: It's exactly. great. What
1: a um, a coloured picker. <laughs> <laughs> that's another kind of scavenger. This time they, they picked glass. So they, ah. they sold the glass to glassmakers who could use it in their furnaces to make a new batch. So they recycled.
0: Oh, that's good recycling, isn't Perfect. it? Yeah. Yep.
1: A bummery. <laughs> Not going there. <laughs> I'll just get on with yep. that one. Great great burly fellows these were. Um they uh what did they do? They um a middleman between a large salesman and a retailer in the Billingsgate fish market. Oh. Yeah, they they bought in bulk from an auctioneer and then they sort of parceled up the, the big bulk into smaller parcels and then sold those on to fishmongers. That's so a bummery.
0: I was gonna say, but where did the name come from? <laughs> doesn't explain it at all. <laughs> no, it
1: doesn't really. I have no idea. Um, it doesn't explain it in that article either. Lob lolly boys. <laughs> Do you know what lob lolly is? What's that? It's a thick oatmeal fed to unwell people on board a warship. So a lob lolly boy was the surgeon's assistant who fed the patients. Ah, oh, wow. Imagine that. <laughs> That's a whole occupation that was recorded on the sentence. He is a lob lolly boy. What a job.
0: Yeah, would you have <laughs> like a big i guess so
1: a big bowl at least yeah Yeah. interesting um and oh sailors who served as lob lolly boys would also have the grim job of holding patients down while the limbs were amputated so i guess there's more to it than just
0: feeding you thought the porridge porridge yeah Yeah. exactly i
1: wish i hadn't read that bit um and and lastly i'll probably just do one more um oh i've got two actually ice harvesters ice harvesters which sounds all right, actually. Um, They would brave frigid ponds to gather ice because they didn't have fridges and freezers. So they would chip up the ice and uh,
0: off the pond. I guess it's probably still quite a dangerous job, isn't it? I don't think so.
1: They used hooked poles and pickaxes, broke through the frozen water into convenient pieces. And uh, with icicles dangling from the fringe of their ragged trousers, turned up higher than their knees, they splash Ah. and dabble in the deadly cold water to bring the ice ashore. So, yeah, then lots of Ah. people fell in, I imagine. Mm. Um, Ice harvesters would then help pack carts for four pence a load. So, yeah, and then you could, um, I suppose, keep
0: your your food cool with it. You've got to get them to wherever they're going. You have, you have.
1: (laughs) And I know that um, the Tyree Historical Society the museum there um they have a very old fridge which used to take a block of ice so ah. it wasn't plugged in or anything didn't run on gas it was just, just a ice. cupboard but it had a, a a cavity for a block of ice and i guess an ice harvester would have been quite useful for yeah, that to keep, the, keep the yeah, to keep the right this <laughs> one's definitely the last one this is a badgie fiddler <laughs> <laughs> it is a boy trumpeter and bugler and they were a fixture of the british army for centuries uh, I thought the word Baji comes from the Hindu Baju, meaning music. And they were new, used when there was no other means of notifying large numbers of soldiers that they were required for various duties. So, from reveille to lights out, the boy trumpeters sounded calls for all activities of the day. And actually, ah, that still happens. That's a very it?
0: useful job. Morning call. Yeah. So, there you
1: go. That's my odd jobs for the day.
0: Very nice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What are you going to tell us oh, about? Well,
0: no, I was just thinking. Well, you know, from odd jobs to big things. My my week of big things, big clocks. And now, uh, um, I, when I was in Cromwell, I was looking at the fruit sculpture of in course. Cromwell. That giant fruit sculpture that's just not long had a, bit of a spruce up. So, what oh, have they? Yeah, they've so been repainted. They've been nice and shiny and beautiful oh, and lovely. colourful again. I guess the hmm. sun does fade them quite badly in Central, doesn't it? Oh yes, so, it would yeah. Do. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's. The 1.7 tonne apple, pear, nectarine and apricot landmark. That's a lot of fruit. Yeah, and it's missing. And now they've just, they're just they're talking about adding grapes and cherries because they're sort of the largest sort of growth industries in the area with the wineries and, you know, with cherries of course, being so yeah. important. It's a yeah. big part of
1: Central. It
0: is, yeah. So mm. um, it was originally a Cromwell Rotary Club project. It cost $64,000 to build. And an extra $24,000 in voluntary labour and completed on November the 3rd, 1989. Wow. So it was designed by Otto Muller and he was the Rotary Club secretary back in the 1980s and he's quite, um, he's a pretty impressive man from, um, originally from Switzerland so I had, as I was looking into the history of the the sculpture, I found out more about him so I might talk about him at another 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 day day, because he was very Impressive man, so yeah. So the apple is uh, is 20 feet or six meters tall. (gasps) No way, I don't know, (laughs) and 18 feet wide, so it's about five and a half meters because they look big.
1: I mean, you you sit under and think that's that's a big fruit, but you to actually quantify like that makes you yeah, it makes you realize
0: just how big they are. So, yeah, so it was quite nice to go back and how much um, that
1: is per pound, yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 they're definitely export quality fruit very nice (laughs) and the other nice thing there is there because Cromwell's always when you're in sort of the township part of it it's always quite tricky to get out back onto State highway state highway six yes and i was saying to my mother we had gone to um a rotary book sale of course because we sort of travel around the book sales Good and uh and i was coming out and i was thinking oh I, you know i hate this intersection oh, why don't they build a roundabout and then we got to the ah. we got to it and there's a roundabout, <laughs> They're so a roundabout. They, yeah they yeah. built it and yeah. oh makes it so much easier because yeah. it is especially because it was sort of four o'clock in the afternoon, so the sun was quite low. Oh, and that's terrible! That yeah. sun, isn't it? Yeah. and so that was yeah. beautiful. Oh, yeah. love around. <laughs>
1: yes, well, especially there because it's such a busy
0: road, it isn't is, it? Yeah, and you're watching out of the township, mm. and people were. Um, I mean, they've, they've yeah. reduced the speed to 80, but still it's yeah. pretty fast when yeah, you're sort
1: of... it is. Yeah. And all that lovely scenery and fruit to look at. That, exactly. You know, it's quite so distracting so as you come out of the township. It yeah. is very
0: distracting. Yeah. So well, yeah. that's a relief. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, So yeah. it was a really nice trip to, to Cromwell and we went Fantastic. to Bannockburn for lunch. How yeah, lovely. So weekend. that wasn't this weekend. Cause no, you it would was have, last weekend. Right,
1: yeah. Because yeah, yeah. this weekend I saw a picture of the Highlands Park, you know, the racetrack oh, yeah. there all covered in snow beautiful yeah (laughs) i know i picked the right weekend to go i think yeah although it will be an absolute winter wonderland
0: i think it'll be beautiful but it's not great for driving home not really no
1: (laughs) (laughs) roll on summer that's what i say yeah yeah well i think we probably should start to wind down now so um i'm just gonna remind you all don't forget to take part in our dance hall program our our new project we'd love to hear from you we want to hear your stories and you can write the stories down you don't have to talk to us if you don't want to Um, you know just get in touch i'll remind you of the the number which is 03474 3690 or you can email us at library at dcc.govt.nz um, if you know someone who might be interested, do give them our details and ask them to contact us. We'd love to hear them. Or you can just pop into a library and leave a message, and we'll we'll get back to you. Yeah, um, yeah, and make arrangements to yeah. get in touch.
0: We're very excited to find out what you wore, <laughs>
1: and we particularly Jill, because Jill loves clothes. We want to know what you wore. Yeah, yeah,
0: and who made them? Because I know oh, yes. I was spoken to someone whose mother would make the uh, the dresses when they would go to the dances. Mm. So yeah.
1: That was a special thing, wasn't really it? it was, and it was yeah. it was the thing to go to. Yeah. yeah. And there were, of course, it wasn't just the Joe Brown dancers. It, it, that was a big feature of Dunedin, obviously. But mm. there were lots of dancers that went on around the the, the township. So, you know, if you if you come from a smaller township and you went to yes. the local hall for your dance, we would love to hear about that, about that too. It's not all about the big stuff. So yeah. who who played it? Who was who played the music? You know, and, yeah. and what
0: music was it? What did you wear? How did you get there? My parents met at St Kilda Dances, so, ah, so right. any dances doesn't have to be Town Hall, exactly. Yeah,
1: and it doesn't have to be televised, of course. They're not yeah. televised, radio. What was it? Pro- broadcast. Broadcast Like The yes. Joe Brown ones. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I'd be, I'd be really interested to hear what you know, all, all the other dances. And there was a rumor that Olveston had one. Do you remember that we got told that there was ah. a dancer? I don't know if it was a one-off or whether they had them regularly, but yeah. uh, but that would be interesting to hear too. I
0: know, and I was. Um, well. Kind of a different thing, but they talked about having cabarets at um, Cargill's Castle at one stage oh, as well. Exciting! In the seventies, I think, in but the seventies.
1: Yeah. So again, if you anything like that, if yeah. you went out and. And had some entertainment at these places we would really want to hear that story
0: tickets or anything like that definitely tickets tickets, programs and don't forget
1: the dance Dance cards cards. of course (laughs) yeah now before we go don't forget we're on again next monday at 11 live in the studio and you can hear the broadcast again on tuesdays at 10 p.m and of course there is the podcast on oar.org.nz Uh, So if you have access to a computer, you can listen to it any time. And it's an easy way to find it is on the library website. We've got uh, on our digital page, we've got our radio show on there and all of the the shows dating back to our very first one in February, the 14th February. I remember it so well. We're up to about 22 or something now. Wow. Uh, yeah, we've done the quite The year's well. gone
0: so fast. Yeah, it's gone fast.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, about halfway through. Um, but before we go, uh, just a quick reminder about our home services. If you happen to be at home and uh, would love to have books delivered to you, you can join up with Home Services team. They do a fabulous job looking after the reading needs of our community at home. If you don't know about them yet, Home Services is a free service for people who find it difficult to visit our libraries or book buses. They provide a tailor-made library service delivered to your door in these great bags, red bags every month, with one of our wonderful volunteers who bring the books to you. So, yeah, uh, call us on 474 3681 or email homeservicesdpl at Dot G-O-V-T dot N-Z to talk to the friendly team. That is really all we've got time for, I'm afraid, but we have one last song to finish us off. This one is called, you'll love this one, Save the Last Dance for Me by Prince Tuiteka.